0: Hey, heartbreakers welcome back to another breakdown bonus episode this is just gonna be me and you chatting i don't think we've ever done a breakdown bonus episode where there hasn't really been like commentary from anybody else i mean even the ones that i've done by myself i've brought in like different clips from throughout different seasons and different episodes and i thought i thought it'd be really fun to do just sort of like a reactionary episode you know what i mean like just me and you here in your car in your room wherever you're listening to this and we're just gonna react to what might have been one of the most intense episodes I've ever put out. Just as a heads up, we're gonna go into all the heavy topics that we went into in this week's main episode. So be sure to check out those content warnings. As always, if there's something sensitive spoken about in an episode, I'll give a little heads up at the beginning of the episode, but I will always put content warnings at the end of the episode description in every single episode that deals with something pretty sensitive. So just be aware of that. Also on a lighter note, before we get into the heavy stuff, I wanted to let you know about the breakup break Down brunch that we're still planning. I think we're still looking at June tenth as the day we're gonna do it. We're trying to get like a number, you know what I mean? Just sort of like so we can plan for where we want to do it. So I'm gonna put an interest form in this episode description, just saying like, hey, I'd be interested in coming if you had it. It's not like a sign up sheet or anything. I just kind of want to get like a number. This breakup breakdown brunch would be me. I'm gonna say like maybe fifty heartbreakers will have brunch. I'll talk to you about the episodes that I haven't been allowed to put out for legal reasons. We'll make some cocktails. It'll be a really fun time. So if that sounds interesting to you, make sure you fill out that form and just kind of let me know, hey, I'd be down to come. Okay, so now let's start getting into the actual relationship. And we'll start off kind of light because I felt like a lot of people could relate to this interviewee, particularly at the beginning of this episode. Like I felt like that was a very relatable part of the episode. She said she got out of a really difficult first relationship and knew she wanted to have a committed relationship she knew that's what she wanted and she was really looking for that second relationship although maybe in hindsight realized that maybe it was i don't want to say to fill a void because i think that it's like kind of a harsh a harsh way to put it but you know You get out of a relationship and you start to feel that crippling loneliness inside. And it seems like the fix would be, well, I want a relationship. Relationships can be good for you. Let me just find the next one and then everything will be okay. But I definitely think there's some things to think about when it comes to, well, why am I feeling that way about getting out of a relationship? And why do I kind of crave another one? Because it's weird enough, like the feeling of heartbreak, like when you go through a breakup or your relationship ends, I feel like people deal with it in a variety of ways, but I don't know a single person who hasn't felt withdrawal symptoms from heartbreak. And I wish more people talked about how the same chemicals that go through your brain when you're in love and you're in a relationship, and you have all those feel-good feelings, like, those are the same chemicals that are released when people do drugs. I think if people knew that, they would realize why they feel the way that they do when they get out of a relationship. It's almost like you're craving what's going to give you those same drug-induced chemicals, if we're going to put it in those kinds of terms. It doesn't seem as black and white as drugs because, like, a relationship is not the same as, like, doing cocaine. I'm by no means trying to compare the two, but it, it's like there's no downsides to it. If you're going to choose to wean yourself off drugs or alcohol, there's benefits to staying away from that. But unless you're staying away from a toxic ex, like the thought of going into a good relationship, like it doesn't seem like there's any downside except the possibility of maybe more heartbreak and the fear of that. But if that's something you want in your life, like the person that we interviewed this week, it can be really hard to grapple with that desire to want to be with somebody. When I was kind of marinating on that thought about how, Relationship withdrawal can kind of be like a drug. I was like, I wonder if anybody's done a study on that. And actually, a neuroscientist named Nicole Vincent did exactly that and did like a deep dive on how relationships affect your brain and how do how do breakups affect your brain? And is there anything you can do? Would you treat somebody who's going through drug withdrawals the same way you would treat somebody who's going through a breakup? And obviously, there's very obvious differences there, but from like a chemical standpoint in your head, Nicole Vincent said the number one thing you can do that will trigger some of those happy, feel-good chemicals, and I know it sounds cliche, but this is from the neuroscientist. Like, this is not from me. Is exercise, it will release serotonin and endorphins that can not only help with those breakup withdrawals, but it can also fight depression. If you're looking for those things that will trigger those happy chemicals in a healthy way, Nicole Vincent said, exercise is the number one thing you can do to improve yourself from a chemical standpoint i was also reading an article from psychology today and i might have brought this up on another breakdown bonus episode when we relate breakups to grief sort of like a death you know when you lose somebody in your life death can be not easy to move on from because you'll never get that person back of course but from my own experience with having to deal with grief and death death is final which makes it so terribly painful because because you'll never get that person back. But I feel like there comes a point where you accept what's happened and you either deal with those lingering feelings of grief and try to manage that. But you, you know what to expect, right? Like this person's not coming back in your life. Whereas a breakup, you're losing somebody, but there's always the possibility that maybe they could come back or maybe if I just send that text and you're sort of waffling through this breakup, which can make actually handling these withdrawal symptoms so much harder. Because again, like anything, if you give it up long enough, your body's gonna stop craving it, and so I bring all of this up because I've been in this position. I, my friends have been in this position. Like I don't know a single person who hasn't desired a relationship more pretty quickly after they got out of one. I feel like I've been single for so long because it's easier to stay single. The moment you start getting feelings for somebody else, you start to miss the warm and fuzzies, and you start to miss like how good you felt around that person. This is just me getting like deep and personal within myself. Like it's almost easier to just keep people at an arm's distance so you don't have to fight off those cravings constantly. And so sort of wrapping up this section with, you know, wanting to jump into a new relationship after one. Of course, there's nothing wrong with getting into a relationship because you want one and because that desire is there after you get out of one. I think I'm I'm just trying to place it in these kinds of terms because I'm talking to myself and to people in my life to some extent where you kind of see your friends jumping into new relationships like the one that we talked about in this main episode that aren't good for them. And if it's fueled by just wanting to curve that craving, I think it's really helpful to see it from like a scientific standpoint, you know. My therapist has talked about this where it's like if you kind of know what's going on in your body from a physical standpoint or from like a neurological standpoint, it can be easy to separate it from how you're actually feeling. And so you can make objective decisions that are good for you rather than just following your emotions or making decisions off of what you really feel. Again, like there's no right or wrong time to get into a new relationship, but there's so many people that that. that I know that are jumping into relationships simply because they miss being in one, that I think if you had a better understanding of why you wanted one, you would get into the right one instead of maybe jumping at the next thing that felt right at the moment. So what I thought was so interesting about the person that we were talking about in this week's interview, the person that our interviewee dated, was that I feel like I could picture so many of these types of guys coming from a church background, seeing somebody on a Sunday and hearing their testimony and all the crazy things they went through. At least in church circles, we talk a lot about the people that come and they put on a good face, but really when they go home, it's like you're living a completely separate life. And it's almost like a mask. You're using this facade of I'm a good Christian to mask what's really going on underneath. Not to discredit any relationship that they feel like they might have with their faith. I'm not not trying to discredit that at all, but I feel like sometimes it can be a mask and it can be really scary if you're somebody who dates in that environment to to know this is somebody who's a good person or not because you meet some guy at church, you're probably gonna assume he's a good dude or not. Although I feel like in the last, I feel like all of season three, we've had a lot of episodes where it's like, I met this guy at church and he turned out to be an absolute crazy person. <laughs> so that's really like the theme of season three. I swear I didn't intend it that way. That's just how the cro- the cookie has crumbled. Not the cookie. This is how the, the crooks have crumbled this season. But here's just my observation about this guy. From what I've heard from this week's interviewee, I was making some notes about the episode and I was listening to some of the things that were happening from her standpoint in this relationship. And I know two things. We've heard two stories from this guy. The first was that he says that he went to jail because he swooped in and saved some girl from getting sexually assaulted. And the second thing is is he used a lot of manipulation to keep her dependent on him. They would be out at stores at the mall and he'd be like, Oh, they're whispering about you. I would never, I would never judge you because of the way that, that you look, even though other people do. And I wrote in my notes, I was like, wait, wait, this guy is some kind of weird savior complex. I don't know if it's like a white knight Type of thing where he wants to feel like the hero that he's not, but just with the person I interviewed this week, it was almost like a different type of isolation. Like he was making her a victim, therefore separating her from the rest of the world. We've talked a lot about isolation on other episodes, where they isolate you from your friends or your family for a greater sense of control, and that eventually happens in this episode. He realizes that his her family doesn't approve, and he knows his family doesn't approve of him and everything that he's doing. And it's towards the end of that relationship that he he starts to. Get angry and isolate her more. But I thought it was an interesting, I mean, interesting is the wrong word because it's so sad, but he's like making the world seem like a big scary place for her. And like he's the only safe one for her. Like he loves her. He would never judge her for how she looks, but the rest of the world is awful. And that's almost scarier than trying to isolate you from your friends and family. Because at least in my experience in doing this podcast, it seems like once people realize they've been isolated from their friends and family, if you have a good family, like they're going to love you unconditionally they're going to be thrilled when you want to come back to them. We've even, even had episodes where friends have done that. But if they distort your view of the world to where you feel like everybody is the enemy and this guy is like the one person who's going to provide that feeling of love and safety in the world, like that is terrifying. And it wasn't just with her. I mean, she even said that after they broke up, it seemed like he was specifically going after women who were in larger bodies under the assumption that maybe these are women with lower self-esteem who he could easily target to once again have that feeling of what I'm assuming mean, is, is like, I'm your hero. Like this is my savior complex. And that might've been a subconscious thing on his part. Like he, I'm not saying this guy knew exactly what he was doing, but I've listened to a lot of podcasts about self-esteem because I think that's at the root of why a lot of relationships can be so broken. And just based off of what I know from listening to those, it just seemed like this guy would have rather torn somebody else's self-esteem to bring them to their level than do anything to make himself feel better about, you know, whatever he was insecure about. And like our interviewee said at the end of the episode, like this guy had access to get help. He had a family. He could have done things to do that for himself. And for whatever reason, he didn't. And I think that's devastating in its own way. Because I know people who, you know, have every resource available to them and and are still running in the opposite direction. And that's its own kind of heartbreak. We know how this story ends. Obviously not in a, in a good way at all. Just from a content standpoint, the fact that we got to hear a different type of isolation and a new type of relationship where we see an example of somebody separating their Partner from the rest of the world and isolating them as a form of control and manipulation, I think is really important for people to hear. So, I want to talk about one of the more jarring parts of this episode. And I'm referring to the part where our interviewee's ex decided to take his own life. And of course, we talked about how he was using the threat of suicide for a while as a manipulation tactic. And this is something we've talked about on the podcast a couple of times because it's an incredibly common manipulation tactic. And we've had people on the podcast before talk about how they handled it. I can't remember the specific episode numbers, but I do know that somebody, you know, when they got that kind of threat, they referred that person to a mental health specialist and said, you know what, like my hands are free of this. And that's really all you can do. Like it's incredibly selfish for someone to put that on you. You're not responsible for their choices. The best thing you can do is get them the help that they need. If that's something that's truly going on. Otherwise it's them going to extremes to try and keep you right where they want you. And so when it eventually gets to the part of the story where he really does take his life, our interviewee had a ton of guilt and she talked about, you know, what if there was something I could have done? Like if I had known or if I had somehow been able to to step in, like I wonder if things would be different. And I of course being on the outside, I'm like of course there's nothing, but I feel like there's a situation in all of our lives. I mean, not just a situation, all of us have felt this, I'm sure multiple times. It's based off of something called hindsight bias. And the definition of it is that hindsight bias occurs when knowing what the outcome is influences the judgments of what you think you should have done. Like, oh, I knew something was up or I should have known better. And the reality is, is that it's probably not true in most cases. And it can drive us crazy if we put the blame on ourselves. I don't know if you've seen the movie Click by Adam Sandler, but he basically has this remote where he can control life like fast forward or go back in time and press pause. And if you haven't seen the movie, it basically the moral of the story is that having a remote control that could control your life would be a horrible, idea and while I wouldn't wish for this guy to have ever actually gone through with taking his own life I don't mean that by it at all but I do think even if she had the hindsight like I said in the episode like that was an incredibly dangerous situation for anybody to be in you know I think everything happens for a reason even if it's horrible and even if it would be better if things would be different but I, I think we've got to see the purpose and the really shitty things that happen in life I'm hoping that the, the bright spot in this story is that maybe the woman that he was with is able to find a healthier relationship and a better father figure for their daughter. Again, I by no means am saying the fact that he took his life is a good thing at all, but I do think everything that happens in life has a purpose. But that's my hope for the people that he left here. I was really struggling with what I wanted to say about one of the parts that I did not see coming in this interview at all and I'm sure most of you didn't see it coming at all either because we were pretty much done with the story by this point when you know I was asking her about her thoughts on the relationship now looking back and something that kept coming up in the interview was she didn't want this relationship to fail she really wanted it to work out she really wanted to fight for this relationship and I was like what was it about this relationship that you wanted to fight for so much And she revealed something incredibly personal. It was such a brave moment in this interview. She said, you know, I came from a religious background. Sex has always been a huge deal to me. And it was important to me that whoever I had sex with next was the person I was going to marry. And I got so incredibly angry last week. I mean, we had a similar episode. We didn't go into quite as much detail, but they were so eerily similar. I'm referring to season three, episode 16, when she was married three times before 26. Just based off those two examples that we have to go off of. It's absolutely devastating evidence of a statistic I saw a while back and it said like 39% of victims knew who their attacker, 33% of sexual violence is committed by a former intimate partner. So really we're looking at like what 72% of people who experience sexual assault know who the person is and just like she said in the interview, I mean in most cases of sexual assault, like if you see it on TV or if you see it in a movie it's like, you know, she's walking down a dark alley and some guy comes out. It's really sad because I feel like we all, if it hasn't happened to you, I feel like every woman or anybody with women friends knows at least one person that's experienced something shady from their partner or some guy that they knew at a party. And it's its so rattling that someone could know you, know you personally. I mean, not that there's any excuse for it, period. But I mean, it's even more jarring, right? I mean, we talked about this in season three, episode 16. Again, last week's episode, when I talked to the interviewee, she said, you know, as painful as the sexual assault experience was she said it was almost more hurtful what she went through with her ex-husband because she was like this guy knew me and he still treated me poorly and I don't know if there's somebody listening to this who maybe experienced that with their partner but I hope you know that if you experienced anything like that with the person you're dating like you deserve way more than that the interviewee even said it herself she didn't realize what she had experienced until after the fact because the lines were so blurred because she still chose to have sex with him at some point that must mean I'm not a victim but no like if you, you at any point with anybody at any time, if you ever say no and they cross that boundary, that by definition is sexual assault. So I hope if you're listening to this or if you know somebody who's talked about that kind of experience that it might be a good idea to talk to somebody about it or it might be the time to make the decision to leave that relationship. Thanks for tuning in to another breakdown bonus episode. It's been really cool to see how brave people have been getting on this podcast and just the things that they're willing to share. I mean, it, it's seriously such an honor in a way that people feel comfortable and want to share their stories on this podcast. So if you want to share yours, there's a submission form in this episode description. Also, don't forget if you're interested in coming to the Breakdown Brunch on June 10th, that's a tentative date, but June 10th-ish in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm going to put an interest form in the episode description as well. And as always, I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.